section twenty four of the inheritance by susan edmonstone ferrier this librivox recording is in the public domain volume one chapter twenty four there is no resource where there is no understanding st therese mrs st clair and her daughter descended together to the breakfast-room but at the thoughts of meeting her cousin after what had so recently occurred gertrude's agitation almost overcame her and she seated herself at the table without daring to lift her eyes many were the inquiries with which she was of course assailed but miss pratt's observations as usual predominated i'm afraid my dear there's more than a common headache the matter with you you put me very much in mind of anthony white when he was taking the influenza he had just such a little pink spot on the top of one cheek and all the rest of his face as white as the tablecloth and your eyes too seem very heavy just like his he never looked up for two days the little pink spot had gradually increased with miss pratt's remarks but making an effort to look up miss st clair raised her eyes and encountered not mr lindsay's dreaded gaze but that of colonel delmore fixed upon her with anxious scrutiny lindsay was not present nor was there even a place reserved for him miss pratt seemed to read what was passing in her thoughts so you've lost one of your bow you see mr edward went off this morning it seems it must have been a sudden thought for he said nothing of it yesterday and by the by what became of him at supper last night i wonder if he had a headache too they say there's a sympathy in bodies as well as in minds sometimes colonel delmore do you believe that i've heard there is in souls a sympathy with sounds replied colonel delmore with an ironical contemptuous air but my soul is i grieve to say so lost to all that is edifying and delightful it can rarely boast any sympathy with the sound of miss pratt's voice by which means unhappily one half of her dulcet notes fall powerless on my dull spirit may i beg to know what i am called upon to believe there's an old saying colonel that there's none so deaf as them who won't hear and i suspect that's your case sometimes retorted miss pratt in a very toothy manner though affecting to turn the laugh against her opponent the entrance of the post-bag here attracted miss pratt's attention it was lord rossville's enviable prerogative to open it himself and to dole out the letters in the most cautious and deliberate manner to their respective destinations a measure which very ill accorded with the mercurial powers of miss pratt who in spite of his lordship's precautions and holding the mouth of the bag as close as he possibly could always contrived to dart her eyes down to the very bottom of it and to anticipate its contents long ere the moment of delivery arrived like all weak important people lord rossville loved power in any form or substance in which it presented itself even in that of a leather bag which he grasped with the air of a jupiter holding his thunderbolt and lingered over it as though it had been another pandora's box although his lordship for upwards of forty years had been in the daily nay hourly practice of declaring that he would not be hurried that he would take his own time etc etc nevertheless in the very teeth of this assurance miss pratt did still persist in her attempts to accelerate the earl's movements which of course had invariably the effect of protracting them on the present occasion it seemed doubtful whether the letters were ever to see the light as upon miss pratt remarking that it would be much better if there was no bag at all for then people would get their letters at once without being kept on the tenterhooks this way his lordship closed his mouth and opening his own commenced a very elaborate harangue on the impropriety irregularity and inconvenience of such a mode of proceeding 
meanwhile gertrude gradually regained her composure and was even able to receive colonel delmore's assiduities with something like pleasure at length miss pratt having knocked under for as she observed in an underhand way there was no disputing with the man who held the key of the post-bag the contents were duly distributed and she received her portion which kept her silent for a few minutes gertrude trembled as a letter was handed to her but her alarm subsided when she saw it was directed in a feeble affected-looking female hand and sealed with a fat bouncing heart skewered with an arrow motto la peine et douce the contents corresponded with these exterior symbols and were as follows bellevue july ma chère cousine from what passed in your presence you will i suspect not be very much surprised to hear that a certain person who shall be nameless has carried his point and that i have at length been prevailed upon to name thursday next as the day when i am to enter upon a new state of existence eh bien my dear coz i hope your time is coming and when it does most fervently do i pray that you may prove as fortunate in your choice as i have done in mine the major is indeed all that i could wish far very far beyond my poor deserts and i should consider myself as the most ungrateful of women if i did not look upon myself as the most fortunate of my sex that being the case i certainly feel less than i should otherwise do at taking this most important and solemn step but the certainty that i am bestowing myself upon one who is in every respect worthy of my warmest admiration esteem and affection supports me and be assured my dear cousin it is the only thing that can support the spirits at such a time how much alas are they to be pitied who do not possess that certainty without which believe me all the advantages of birth and fortune are nothing for without that i assure you the major's rank fortune connections manners etc 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 never would have influenced me such being the state of affairs here at present i am very desirous that you ma chere cousine should participate in my feelings and also take a lesson for what rest assured will one day be your own fate i therefore request as a particular favour that you will give us the pleasure of your company to pass the intervening days with me and to officiate as bridesmaid upon a certain occasion the major unites with me in this request so it will be a double disappointment if anything should prevent you papa and mamma also join in the wish that my nuptials should be graced with your presence the major offered to drive down for you any day in the gig apropos i must tell you he admires you very much but i am not jealous but i own at present i think that would be making the thing rather public and besides shall i confess my weakness i feel particularly timid at the thoughts of the major risking himself in a gig at present only conceive my situation if anything should happen to him i trust you will be at no loss for an opportunity and that i shall soon have the pleasure of seeing you here and of making you better acquainted with my lord and master-to-be adieu mia cara isabella pray have you heard any more of your beau the major thinks he must be a spy i c b excuse haste but the major is sitting by me and says he is ready to quarrel with you for engrossing so much of my time i c b in great disgust at the vulgar affected familiarity of this performance gertrude handed it to her mother in silence resolved in her own mind to return a brief denial to miss bell's invitation not so mrs st clair who thought nothing could be more apropos than this proposal she was desirous of removing her daughter from the observation of the family until her mind should have regained its usual tone and she knew nothing would be so likely to effect that as change of scene and necessity of exertion it would require a little management perhaps to obtain lord rossville's consent 
but in the present state of affairs that would be easily obtained and having settled all this she put the letter in her reticule with an air that said this requires consideration miss pratt now made known the contents of her dispatch which was a pressing invitation to spend a few days at old lady macaw's to meet mrs chatwell and the miss Nowalls, just a nice little female party it was a pleasant thing for old friends to meet and talk over old stories now and then etc 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 so miss pratt we are going to lose you then it seems said the earl in an accent of agreeable surprise and a visage beaming with delight indeed it's not very well bred my lord to run away in this manner replied miss pratt but it's an old promise of mine to lady macaw honest woman and i would not like to disappoint her especially as she is so good as say she'll send the carriage for me to-morrow morning however i shall make out my visit to you yet and if i can get hold of anthony white will bring him with me lord rossville's countenance fell at this assurance he had been anxiously waiting the termination of miss pratt's visit that he might give a dinner to some of the stateliest of the neighbouring grandees a thing which could not be got up with good effect while that lady was his guest her light frothy babbles disconcerted his heavy sonorous speeches her brisk familiarity detracted from the dignity of his manner it was as impossible for him to be the dignified nobleman with miss pratt at his elbow as it would have been with an ape on his shoulder however it was a great point gained to have got her fairly off the field and he flattered himself with a little management he might contrive to exclude her till it suited his time to receive her again contrary to his usual practice but in conformity with the vulgar proverb he therefore resolved to make hay while the sun shone and straightway set about issuing his cards immediately in this complacent mood mrs st clair found little difficulty in obtaining his consent to gertrude's visit to bellevue which she took care to insinuate would prove highly advantageous in a political point of view a bait which the earl instantly caught at he even declared his intention and that of mr delmore to pay their respects to the worthy family at bellevue the following day and finally it was settled that they should accompany mrs and miss st clair there leaving the latter to officiate at her cousin's nuptials an office which in the present state of the political contest was not deemed derogatory even for the heiress presumptive of rossville colonel delmore seemed somewhat chagrined at first hearing of this arrangement but upon reflection he began to discover that it might rather advance his purpose to have the object of his pursuit withdrawn for a while from the watchful eyes of her guardians and he secretly resolved to be a daily visitor at bellevue while she remained as for gertrude whatever repugnance she felt at first to the proposal she soon yielded to her mother's solicitations for she was a stranger to that selfishness which is obstinate in trifles miss pratt's departure was hailed as a joyful release by the whole party with the exception indeed of lady betty and mr delmore the one was too stupid and the other too much engrossed to have any discrimination in their choice of company with the one words were words and miss pratt's words were as good if not better than other people's words with the other miss pratt was miss pratt and one miss was very much like another during a contested election End of section twenty four